Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Easter Sunday worship service. Welcome to Sable Congregational United Church of Christ, where we like to say you are welcome long before you arrive. It is really nice to have you with us today, and we have prepared a video of a compilation of worship services from 2018, 2019, and some contributions by people we think you'll know along the way. So happy Easter in this time of all times. It is wonderful to remember and important to hold on to the joy and the promise that this day has brought to so many for millennia. And so welcome once again, and please join us in today's worship. Still a chance that they may see there will be an answer. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. There will be an answer. Let it be, let it be. Sir. 
Good morning, church. Good morning. Please stand or be seated as you wish and join us in the call to worship. Every table is filled with the divine. Whoever the guests, whatever the meal, wherever it may be, so too is the divine. On this, this glad morning of the, of the divine, divine, we stand on the first day. Life, life is again a garden and not a jungle. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We come all in the midst of this wondrous this Easter God, whom space cannot contain nor time weary. Come, alleluia, you say. And let us worship God together. Please be seated. And join me in this morning's unison prayer. From a mortal point of view, resurrection is one of the things you do best, creator God, farmer God, grandmother God, laughing God, redeemer God. If you don't mind our saying so, rolling back stones, Stunning the guardians of the earth, stationing startling angels, upending expectations which lean full weight on yesterday, disappearing around corners of imperial decrees and holy dogmas, then raising up, laughing in the flowers on Pilate's porch. These are truly Br'er Rabbit's maneuvers on the briar patch earth. If you don't mind mortals saying so, you are surely a virtuoso performer, making the music of resurrection unaccompanied. At this music, hope rises to dance. Despair lifts its weary head. Justice hears again a forgotten rhythm. And the legions of those dead to the world wake to wonder. And these risings and these beguiling song of life, and yet what be a grievous history to a garden of noble choice, graceful forbearance, of an ending gratitude, and a hospitality which can be entered from any of the four directions. Do not leave this world for any other. For we beseech thee, practice resurrection here. Roll back the stones.
beginning with the one in front of me. Blessed are thou, Easterish God, in a feverish world. So the assurance of God's love is in fact the when we express love with one another in all the different ways we do. It's almost like a guarantee that, oh yeah, it's there. We can be assured that God's love is always there, even during those times when it may be a little bit more difficult to remember. And we have those times too. So with that in mind, and all of these other things, let us offer one another a virtual sign of peace, a risen sign of peace, lifting up our hearts and our joy and our spirit and our determination that there ain't no tomb going to keep us down either. May the peace of the risen Christ be with you all. I heard you, and now let us offer one another in the quietness of our hearts or in the company we share a risen sign of peace. Peace be with you.
This is the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the teacher from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the piece of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed linen cloths lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? They took my teacher, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to God. Go to our kin and tell them, I ascend to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went telling the news to the disciples. I saw the teacher, and she told them everything he said to her. John 20, 19 through 31. Later that day, the disciples gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the teacher with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as God sent me, I send you. Then Jesus took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do about them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told Thomas, we saw the teacher. But he said, 
unless I see the holes in his hands, put a finger in them, and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My Lord, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you have seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, is the one from God and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way Jesus personally revealed it. It's not easy to navigate the loss, the dull, aching, feverish, coughing sense of grief when the world around us, within us, grudgingly, grindingly comes to a halt out of chaotic, self-serving, Dismissive rule. Jesus was dead. Crucified. By greed. Dishonesty. Cold indifference. And the arrogance of what one poet refers to as brocaded, barren, old men. Heaped upon their shoulders following what was such a glorious week. They now knew that dull, aching pain of betrayal. They had felt the unbelievable lack of compassion, the absent empathy of those who turned and mocked Jesus, mocked him, vilified him, bullied, dehumanized him, called him names because he dared. He dared to speak truth, to speak it to others, to speak it to power. Like and unlike others who had crossed the line over, forgetting where they had come from, becoming part of this notorious group of power-hungry, determined to protect their power and authority at any cost, power-hungry leaders and rulers, even the high priests of the religious council conspired with the corruptness. And they, too, were caught in the spiral of this consuming, intoxicating power, finding themselves orbiting without courage to stand and speak because they were afraid, afraid of what they'd lose afraid of 
their position being taken away or challenged, their authority being diminished. Even death they were afraid of. This unholy cabal of conspirators killed Jesus so that they could recapture their control because they felt dangerously threatened. And honestly, they should have felt dangerously threatened because what they were doing was so dangerously wrong. And Jesus called them out. And so he was dead, crucified. Okay, that's done. Let's go back to our power and our control. And oh yes, the Passover celebration, the festival. And for Mary... Jesus was dead too. Mary, the one they called Magdalene. Her aching was from a different place. From a place in those who know the heart and its longing, its compassion, its empathy, and its love. She had a heart that knew reverence, knew humility, knew kindness, And because of that, it knew enormous grief as well. Not for the loss of power, but for the loss of a teacher, a friend, her friend, someone she loved. And so she avoided the tainted festival, the pompousness of the murderous impulses, that suddenly arose when the crowd got hungry for blood. She avoided all of that. Those that cheer for travesty, rally for violence. She went to prepare the body of Jesus instead because that's what you do for a friend. It was the first day of the week. The first day of an illness of the heart and the soul from what had happened that seemed incredulous that the world could somehow ignore. But there she was, Mary, ready to be faithful, loyal to her friend. And she approached the tomb probably, most likely, in a state of shock, only to be gobsmacked again. Weren't they satisfied? Didn't they have enough? They even had to come and demean him in death by taking away his body, his corpse? Are they so fearful? Are they so frightened that even his body can't be left behind? Who are these people? What is wrong with them? I wonder if she thought that. Finding the tomb empty, confused, anguished, she ran to her friends. And when she managed to blurt out what she had found, they ran. They sprinting in opposition to the very thought that this had happened. She has to be wrong. She's 
Got to be. Quick. But deep down inside, I think they knew. Mary was usually right. One of them hurried more quickly than the other, and soon Peter caught up to the one we think actually is John, who wrote this gospel. And when they looked in, with all that must have gone on, something was odd. The garments that had fallen from the body were crumpled by the slab, somehow like the chaos and the torment that had been wrapped around him fell as an empty garment to the ground. But the linen that covered his head, that was neatly wrapped and carefully placed, folded, as if unhurried, calm, that whatever had happened, there was enough time to make sure the care was taken in some way to let others know that we're okay. We have time to fold our garment. Maybe. The narrative that we heard read for us goes on. It says that the disciples believed when they saw this. It also says that they had not yet understood what the scriptures said that he had to raise from the dead to fulfill those scriptures. So even in the moment, uncertainty lingered between hope, what does this mean, and that which would be assured eventually. It was confusing. We sometimes think, oh yes, yes, this and that, this and that, no. We talk about ambiguity, they knew ambiguity. But there were indications, weren't there, that a great change had occurred. Something profound and cosmic, what we refer to in our covenant as the event of Jesus Christ, had occurred in another way. In spite of, maybe because of, in response to the ignorance of those who thought they could stop his message with their words and their swords, with their actions, with their altered reality of what was right and wrong. It was the first day of the week. And it was just starting to dawn in many ways. Mary first felt the warmth of that risen sun S-U-N. And not once, but twice, as she tried to process this, she would be asked, woman, why do you weep? Why are you crying? Would she have thought as I do? What do you mean? Why am I weeping? Why aren't you weeping? What's wrong with you? How could you look at this and not know what had terribly just happened? We forgive Mary for not knowing whether or not angels can cry, whether they're even good at asking sensitive questions. Why do you weep? 
I don't know if angels cry either. It's odd how the appearance of angels, though, did not surprise her at all. Her vision seems to be quite exceptional when it comes to that. Although she did mistake the gardener for Jesus. And it was, in fact, Jesus who asked her the second time, Why do you weep? Who are you looking for? I'll bet she had enough by then. Listen, mister. Look. Don't worry about why I'm weeping. Don't worry about anything. Just tell me, where's the body? What have you done with it? Tell me where it is so that I can care for it. That's who I'm looking for. The body that you move. Don't play games with me. Where is he? And then we come to that climax, I think, of all of this. And Jesus turns to Mary and goes, Mary. And she is stunned. Who wouldn't be stunned? The voice cries out from the wilderness again, this time with gentleness and love, warmth and compassion and total surprise. Because God is like that. Mary. You know, in all that follows in the reading and the days ahead, the still fearful disciples locked up in the room after they knew that Jesus had appeared to Mary, the violence that is talked about, the shocking events that must have continued to be going on, the seemingly indifference to people who were suffering, and the lack of annoyance by those in power, devoid of any sense of concern. His disciples were locked up in the room. They had not yet learned to be unafraid. And who could blame them? But their time was coming. This time, this event of Jesus Christ, this moment was just beginning to unfold. And then, of course, it goes on and talks about Thomas. And there is Thomas's cynicism, representing cynicism well beyond him. And his response, you don't know what you're talking about. I know. I'm the smart one here. And you know what? Until you prove me wrong, because you won't, go tell your tales elsewhere. Was it just that he was too afraid to see himself face to face with what he feared the most? Perhaps that something he didn't understand, could not explain, was in fact what was taking place? That his brilliance couldn't see beyond the tip of his nose or the touch of his fingers? into the wounds. 
through all of this narrative and these many, many questions and conversations, through all of this, the words that Jesus speaks as shared with us by John about how Thomas, you saw and you believed, but blessed are those who will believe and will not see as you have. Was he perhaps saying to Thomas, listen, show yourself. Step out from behind the power and the control and the wisdom that you think you have and show your wounds as I do and be vulnerable. Be present. Be available to others. Have compassion and care for others. Let go of this needing to be the one who knows everything, smarter than everyone. Exactly. Let it go. Let go of your hardened heart, Thomas, because hearts were never created to be hard. And then we come to John's closing, through all of this, into his closing, his statement that more was revealed that isn't written down here, but that these stories are told so that you too can believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is resurrected in your life and that you don't need to see him as Thomas demanded to know that. Hmm. And then take all of this and add to it this love and discipleship that would flow from this day, this dawning, to this one, continuing, bringing more and more people to the presence of Jesus and God and spirit in their lives even in different ways of understanding, even as many in this world know no God other than the one they create to be self-serving to their needs, to themselves and their ego and their sense of power. Still, more than all of this, more than the narrative, more than all of these parts that follow that moment when Jesus revealed himself to Mary. That's, that's what I'm going to carry with me. That word, that moment when Jesus turned and said, Mary. And she went, Jesus, Rabboni, teacher. So, the word that I offer today to you is Mary. But your name. And the response then as now, when you hear your name call, may it be teacher, Rabboni, from the heart, this Easter, this Christ is risen in our lives day. Risen indeed. And instead of Hosanna, I think at least for today, I'm just going to say, Mary. May you hear your name called. And may you say, Teacher. Happy Easter, everyone.
to dream the impossible dream to fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrow to run where the brave dare not go to right the unrightable wrong to love pure and chaste from afar to try when your arms are too weary to reach the unreachable star this is my quest to follow that star no matter how hopeless no matter how far to fight for the right without question or pause to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause and i know if i'll only be true to this glorious quest that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when i'm laid to my rest and the world will be better for this that one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable Stars. And as we do here in the sanctuary after our prayers, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So together, as you learn the prayer, let us pray. Revelation 21.5 says, I am making everything new. We're trying something new tonight. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. Hail thee as the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of 
doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light, fill us with the light, oh, fill us with the light of day. put a lot of time into that one so <laughs> thank you for your generosity in helping us prepare God's love for all we are grateful for all the ways you participate in the work of this ministry and more than anything, we are more grateful that you are here. We welcome your offerings at this time and invite you to place your prayer and information cards in the basket. May this offering be accepted and received.
So friends, this table is set for all. We wouldn't know how to set a table any other way. So please know how welcome and invited you are. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the bread of life. You who come to me shall not hunger. You who believe in me shall never thirst. So God be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up Let us give thanks to God most high. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is indeed right, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Creator God. You are our light and love the divine path for Mary, Mother of Jesus, Mary the Magdalene, and for all of us and on all of our journeys. You are the loving God, so we desire to know more, devoting ourselves to you by growing in the example of Jesus, the one you sent to help us, to reveal more of you, because you so love the world. And so today, we come to this meal in the shadow of the last meal with his disciples, joyful in knowing that death has been conquered, that you are with us now and always. Risen indeed! our table, where we break bread and take from the cup you pour a revolutionary act of love, love that has changed and continues to change everything, rolling away every stone before us. And we place ourselves in devotion to you. And at that table on that night. And so that shadow in the meal of that last meal, today's meal in the shadow, when this is broken, there is no shadow anymore. For the light has been given to us. And so when Jesus raised the bread and he broke it, and he blessed it and he gave it to his friends, I wonder if he said, this is my body, which I am breaking for you, which I am putting at risk for you, which I believe in you so much that I am willing to sacrifice all in breaking everything I am so that you may know the shadow is gone. Death has been conquered and the light and the love of the God that I know is with you now and always. Do this. Break this in memory of me. And when supper was done, Jesus lifted a cup, 
foreshadowing perhaps his own lifting up. He gave thanks to you, the one to whom he was devoted, and he said to all who were with him, drink, and when you drink, remember me, remember us, remember our time together and all who follow and join us. For this is a sign of the new covenant, the God center of love and the, our lives and future. Be devoted to these things. Whenever you gather, remember me and how you are loved and called in my name to serve God and love others in response. And you, my beloved, rejoice in these things and share this with the world, for you are blessed. Be not afraid, ever. Remember, I love you, and I am with you always. And surely, more than once before the evening was done, Jesus charged them. Remember me, remember us, and do this in memory of all I have taught you and my love for you. Let us join in singing the covenant that embraces this and more. In response to God's love, the covenant with These are the gifts of God for the people of God. This table is set for you. Let us pray. Thank, Thank you, God, God, 
for inviting us to the And so, thank you again for joining us today. Friends, may the blessing of God and all the way you know God, may the spirit of this day that is alive and powerful in our lives, that fills our world with this promise that whatever may be going on around us, whatever there is that is yet to be overcome, there is nothing greater than this God that loves us this Jesus that teaches us, this spirit that fills us with the breath within the breath, and this compassion and love that calls our name. 
hear your name call. Call others' names as you go and know how much you are loved. Happy Easter, my friends. See you soon.